0: This is Morning Guffler Class 346. I am currently the Training Operations Supervisor at the Border Patrol Academy in Artesia, New Mexico, and you're listening to the Old Patrol HQ Podcast. Ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Honor first.
1: Greetings and welcome to episode ten of the Old Patrol HQ Podcast. I'm your host Gil Maza This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and preserving the history, heritage, and legacy of the Old Patrol through the words of those who lived it, with a few shenanigans along the way. Today, in honor of our 45th anniversary of women coming into the patrol, we'll be talking with Training Operations Supervisor Marlene Castro, Class 346, out of Charleston, South Carolina. She started out in Carrizo Springs and worked her way through the ranks with a strong work ethic and a great attitude. She makes the best out of every situation. She's currently assigned to the Border Patrol Academy in Artesia, New Mexico. Come and listen to her story. She's a true game changer and a badass five percenter. Ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Honor first. Honor always. Greetings, ma'am, and welcome to the Old Patrol HQ podcast. Hello. It's good to have you with us.
0: Uh, thanks for the invite, sir. I'm very, very flattered
1: by it. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. When we were looking for recommendations to interview people, uh, female agents in the patrol, for the 45th anniversary celebration of women being in the patrol since 1975, quite a few people uh, recommended your name. Oh,
0: awesome. Well, thanks then for me.
1: Well, I'd like to start out by talking about how you got started in the Border Patrol in the first place.
0: Well, you know, that's a crazy story. Uh, I'm going to try and keep it short because I can go on forever. But um, uh, I actually wanted to be a DPS trooper. So they were hiring at the time, and I was a criminal investigator for the Hidado County Sheriff's Department. Mm -hmm. So I went to go uh, execute a warrant, and I'm knocking on the front door, and this kid runs out the back and takes off. So he matched the description of the guy I was looking for. So you know, I chased him down, arrested him. When I got him to the sheriff's department, it turned out he was an illegal alien. And uh, he wasn't the subject I was looking for. So my lieutenant said, You know what? Book him, do everything, but have Border Patrol pick him up. And I'm like, Sir, let me do this. You know, I can And he's like, No, no, no. He goes, it's just called Border Patrol. So while I was in the detention center waiting, I was completing the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Border Patrol agent walks in. And, a, you know, granted, I know nothing about the Border Patrol. So he walks in and he's dusty. His boots are a mess. He's all sweaty and stuff. And he's got a toothpick in his mouth. <laughs> and uh, I said, give me a couple more minutes. I said, I'm almost done. And he says, oh, go ahead, take your time. And I'm thinking, yeah, you probably don't want to get back to work. Look at you, and I'm thinking all these things right in my head. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. You know. Again, now I know better. So I'm doing the paperwork, and the detention officer says, "Open the celling port GPS." So I stop what I'm doing. Right. The agent standing to my right. The tro- two troopers walk out, and you know they put their hats on, and they walk into the building. So I literally open my metal tablet. I pull out my application, and yes, we did paper applications that far back. Yeah. And I handed it to the trooper, and he kind of thumbs through it, and he says, ah, oh, you're good. He goes, you're halfway there. He's like, we need women, you know, if you survive, you're guaranteed graduation. And he went on and on, and I'm like, but, I go, I don't want it easy. I'm looking for a challenge, you know? And there's a building exchange there that I'm not gonna share with you. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 you're a deputy. You're good to go. And I said, well, I don't want it handed to me. The border patrol agent pulls out his toothpick, and he says, "S. Eh, join the patrol. They don't give you bleep for free. And I said, yeah. And the word starts with an S. I said, I don't want to sit by this river all day long with binoculars. So he pulls out a business card, writes a phone number, and he says, call them. Ask him to let you sit in on an orientation. And i I like, all right, so I threw the card and the application back in my metal tablet, everybody left, and I went back to my desk. I opened up my tablet and I pulled out the application and I tore it and I threw it in the trash. And my partner said, hey, what are you doing? I thought that was your dream. I said, yeah, but, you know, and I told him, you know, what he had talked about. And he said, "Money, but he's right, you're already there, you're a deputy. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be a female who came in for, you know, during a hiring strike. Ha ha, right? Yeah. So then, time passed, a couple of weeks later, I threw my tablet on my desk and out falls the card. I pick it up, and I called the number, and I said, yeah, can I come in for orientation? And they said the uh, I said no. That I was thinking about it, but that the agent had given me that number. So they said, "Yeah, go ahead and come on I mean. in." So I went in, and they were showing the video challenge on the border, and I looked like Arnold Horshack from Welcome Back, Arnold. I was like, "Me, hey, <laughs> me, you know?" So the agent said, "Ma'am, wait till after the video." I'm like, "Okay." So after the video. He says, You want to join? I said, Where do I sign up? I go, Do I really do that? And he said, Yes. And I'm like, Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So I signed up, and, you know, one thing led to another. On the 20th anniversary of me going to the academy, I actually posted the story on uh, Facebook, and a whole bunch of people, because I wanted to find the man or the agent, right, who had recruited me. So people were saying, and I didn't know his name, so people were suggesting. You know, all these different names, but there was one name that kept coming up. So he contacted me and he said, You know what, I'm sorry, but I don't even remember. I said, Well, can I look at your picture and I'll tell you if it's you? He did. I was like, Oh my God, it's you, just with gray hair. So I found him and I just wanted him to know. I said, Thank you. I said, 20 years later, here I am. I said, All because you gave me that number that day. Yeah. Wow. so that's how we ended up becoming a Border Patrol agent. And I had never regretted and i never looked back. I did have a little bit of doubt after Hell How <laughs> bad? But it's been great. Yeah, Hell
1: Day at the Academy. Um, can you tell us who the agent was?
0: Yes, uh,
1: Jesus Sanchez. Jesus Sanchez. Ah, okay. Yep. That the must market. have been something to get a hold of him again.
0: Yeah, yep. See, and that's one of the things, and I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I'm very proud of uh, mentioning in the Border Patrol, right? It's our 45th anniversary of women in the patrol, but when Christine Gee was at that event, I guess it was like a job fair, it was an agent who asked her, a male agent asked her, would you like to be a Border Patrol agent? So our agency has been very forward-thinking in the things that it does, and if you think about it, it is one of the only agencies that treats us as, you know, true equals. They haven't made any concessions when it comes to PT and everything. So I'm, I'm part of that. I'm part of that. Um, I'm part of that agency.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Um, that's a, that was a great start. Now, tell me, uh, so where, where did this all happen, by the way? Where were you working when, when you met the agent and you ended up getting into the patrol?
0: I was uh, an investigator at the Edgargo County Sheriff's Department.
1: Yeah, what city? What, where Where is that?
0: Oh, sorry, that's in Edinburgh, Texas. Ah, it's uh, okay.
1: County. Okay, gotcha. Okay, well then, uh, tell, tell us what happened next. Now, it's off to the academy there in Charleston? Oh my
0: goodness, yes. Uh, I was one of the first classes in Charleston, but after everything, um, one of the things, you know, you go to your hiring board and they tell you uh, to start running. So a couple of weeks before I leave to the academy, I go out to a track, and it's a half mile track, and I did it in nine minutes, and I thought, yeah, I'm (laughs) okay. No, I would not. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the academy was, it was amazing, I think, um, I'm sure for a bunch of us, PT was probably the toughest thing we, we had to do there, and I hear people say in-law or Spanish for the non-native speakers, but I think uh, for the most part, it's PT. But I can tell you this right now, 23 years later, that I would not have it any other way. Mm. I think getting to our PT course kind of sets you up, not only for Border Patrol, but for life. If there's anything I learned from it is you you can do anything as long as you're willing to commit the hard work. Um, It was crazy. There were times, like I said, after health Day, don't tell anybody, but I cried in the shower. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, don't tell anybody, but I did too. Oh, I'm so <laughs>
0: glad I wasn't the only one. It was, you know, it was an eye-opener. I, I went through Police Academy, right? And I thought, you know, being treated and mixed up, uh, you know, but when I got to the Academy... The way Border Patrol Academy is set up is, you can't just be all muscle and fat, and you can't be all brain and tap. Mm-hmm. You have to find a good, solid balance of the two. So, you know, props to everybody who's made it through that.
1: Yeah. Now, did all? Uh, how many females were in your class?
0: We were three.
1: Did you all make it? Uh, two of us did. Okay. Okay. Alright, so then uh, from there you graduate, and where was? Where did you end up, uh, what was your first duty station you reported to? My duty station was
0: Carrizo Springs, uh,
1: oh, okay. Texas,
0: and I was their first email ever.
1: No kidding. Yeah,
0: it was <laughs> something else. I don't think they were ready for me.
1: <laughs> Class three, four, six... And you were the first female they've ever received, they ever got as a, as, as a, uh, as a nug, basically.
0: Yes, or Jesta. Uh, my supervisor, I'm called me Jesta. Ah.
1: Uh.
0: <laughs> yep, and when they just said, why do you call her Jesta? Because she's jesta me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but um. I learned a
0: lot from that man. yeah
1: i'll bet i'll bet so you were the first woman in Cariso springs i know a few agents from there adan gonzalez i think uh, is one and uh who else do i know from over there he is a chaplain there oh no this, this was back in 97 so yeah i i we didn't have chaplains back then no, I, think, no. I don't think we
0: did
1: yeah, so. yeah I, I think you're right i think it was it, that came a little bit later so, uh, so you get to Carizo Springs, you're uh, just a trainee, and uh, tell me how that experience was for you.
0: You know what, it was, honestly, it kind of cemented the fact that I had made the right decision. I started out on a midnight shift, so I remember reporting, and we all sat down, it was a bunch of tables. Together, it formed one giant rectangle. So, you know, you're facing some agents. The agents are facing the supervisor who's calling mustard. But there were some guys eating a bowl of cereal, other guys were eating tacos. The ones that weren't eating, somebody was on the phone ordering, hey, what do you want, what do you want? And I'm sitting there, and it felt like a family dinner. And, you know, everybody's talking and stuff. The supervisor sounds <laughs> <well>. up. <laughs> How it's really funny was, I'm you, right? So I don't know where the is this? So I go and I sit down When the provider shows up. He's sitting right next to me and I'm like, oh my god. (laughs) So he's he's calling Master and he's giving out the information, the photos, all this stuff that he had and I'm looking over at the paper, you know, and then he goes, what is this? The guy's name is Jean Jacket and this is Mr. Papiata. He goes, the guy's name is Jean Jacket? Well, i want to kill people, too, if that was my name. And I said, uh, sir, the L-S-W right here means lasting wearing Jean Jacket. And he goes, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, my around those day one. And he goes, I, don't, I used to be a dispatcher before I was a deputy, so I, I know that. He goes, okay, I made sure not to sit next to him again. <laughs> But uh, it was really neat. One of the good things was that it was a small station. So as trainees, we had a lot of opportunity to do things that other stations don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had a a team called the Fast Action Response Team. Yeah. And uh, I was the first trainee to be on that team, which was really awesome because, because of the way the area is set up. They were the only ones who responded directly off the river, so that's where the big groups were and everything. The rest of us, you know, were on the ranches and doing different things, tracking, uh, cutting the roads and stuff like that. So being on that team, they were kind of like a, I guess you might consider them like an MRT, but for the station, you know, for specific operations at the station. So they let me do that, and holy cow, those guys are hardcore. But
1: I learned a lot from them. Well, uh, who were some of your journeymen when you got there?
0: Um, David (laughs) Chalina. Excuse me. He he just retired last September as the DPAC of the station. Um, We had Miller, and I cannot remember his name, but he came in a couple of months after I had been there. Um, that's terrible, I can't remember all their names, There was Eric but I don't remember his last name my FOS was Mr. Guzman Johnny Rodriguez was a supervisor and of course Agosto Tapia was another supervisor Mm -hmm. so they were they were really good and I think I got lucky that I was the first female because it wasn't you know uh I hope this doesn't happen, because, like, a lot of the princess syndrome, like, oh, be careful, you know, don't do this. Randy Cook, Randy Cook was, and Chris McGrath, I just remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot from Randy Cook um, about, uh, you know, oh, it because I'm a female kind of thing. And that was a hard lesson learned. We were out tracking, and uh, he crossed this giant cactus plant because he's really tall, so he just goes over it with no problem. So I want to cut through instead of go around, and he goes, I'd go around if I were you and I. I, whatever. So I do the same thing. I step on the plant, and as I cross over, it snaps back up, and it smacks me on the butt. Oh. So here I am, yep, here I am walking next to my garden, and I'm pulling Stickers out of my rear end, right? All because I didn't listen to him. So then he hands me the keys. He says, You know what? Go get the truck. And I thought, Oh my God. I go, I'm going to have to sit down to drive. (laughs) So I'm running to the truck, but at the same time, I'm still yanking stickers out of my butt. Oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, I get in the truck, and I'm leaning on the side that didn't get it too bad, and I'm driving with my pot up in the air, <laughs> so I catch up to him, and he comes over, and he kind of leans on the sill to the to the door, and he goes, you know, Marvin, if I ask you to do something, he goes, it's not because you're a woman, but just so you can be careful, and that was one of the things that I thought, you know what, true, I guess. At the sheriff's department, kind of set that up for me, and I realized I've got nothing to prove as a female, but I needed to learn and to become a good agent. Mm. And like I said, there were many lessons learned out there. So, but you
1: know, like I said, no regrets. I love the patrol. Well, you, you mentioned something interesting earlier that you said that uh, you were lucky that you were the first female there because basically they had no mechanism in place to treat you any differently, but you did say that they weren't ready for you. Can you explain that a little bit?
0: Yeah, well, see, that was one of the things. Um, being a female, I know we're talking, you know, you've got all these hardcore guys they are going out to the field and stuff and here's a girl. I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example. Um, we were at Leicester one night and they're picking on one of the guys, you know, just border banter, you know, giving each other grief but oh, this guy cusses one of them out and he flips him up. And everybody got real quiet
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he looks at me and he says, man, I'm sorry, I apologize, I didn't mean to be disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, "Dude, relax. I'm sorry, excuse my French. I said, you I speak French too. Relax, it's okay. <laughs> and everybody's real quiet. I said, are you guys kidding me? So I stood up and I flipped them off. I said, are you happy now? <laughs> and they all started laughing. But it kind of changed the tone. Like they weren't afraid anymore and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, my journeyman, one of them, actually got in trouble for calling me rookie over the radio. And I told them, it's cool. My gosh, if you got your me at the sheriff's department, I wouldn't be behaving this way. It's, it's, it's brandy banter. We give each other grief, we pick on each other. It it's how we get the day going, you know
1: what I mean? Yes, you know what, it's interesting because, uh, I keep thinking in terms of how women had to get used to being in the patrol, but you bring up an interesting point that it's so funny that the patrol had to get used to having women as well.
0: Yeah. And and I think that the the patrol, we're so big right now. What, what 19,000 of them over? You're going to have all kinds of personalities. You're going to have, like all kinds of cultural differences, all kinds of ideas and stuff. And it's gonna be a lot easier for all of us. Hey, you know what? You might not like this about this person, but hey, he is a hard worker. You might not like this about this person, but you know what? He's on it. And it's one of those where, you know, we need to, we're one very big, giant family. Um, on the, they weren't ready for the females. Let me give you another example it's midnight shift, we're just we're working highway. my FTO pulls over and we're sitting there, he's reading the paper and I've got my Gerber tool and I'm driving my nails and he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm driving my nails and he goes, you don't do that with a Gerber tool? That's just great, put that away like, but I don't have a real life <laughs> so that was just I loved it and now I jokingly tell, you know, when you came know, come up to me there. Don't get caught prying your nose with a gripper tool. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> um, it, just, I'm telling you, it was just awesome. It was, it was, and it has been an incredible
1: ride. It sounds like it. Now, talk to me about like what was the work like there? What were the work? What was the conditions like? And what did you enjoy doing most?
0: Um, a lot. It was a lot of ranches, so we did tracking. Tons and tons of trekking. And again, this was uh, the late 90s, so we would trek. On a midnight trip, we would get out, and we'd be trekking all night. And I kid you not, one day, we were going home at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We stopped at the Pizza Hut during Carrizo, and I was drinking coffee. And they're like, if you drink coffee, you're not going to sleep. I go, no, coffee makes me sleepy. So... The whole team, instead of, you know, going home, going to bed, we're off at Pizza Hut. And that, again, that's what I loved about it, because it was a long night. Back then, the shit started at 11. Mm -hmm. But we walked straight through, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we're driving home, and we all decided to go to Pizza Hut and hang out. So, it was a lot of tracking. I was a size zero, and sadly... I'll never see those days again. But it was amazing. And that, I loved that. I loved that. Um, Mr. Tapia, my supervisor, uh, he got out there with us a lot. And uh, he'd be like, come on, let's go. He goes, we're going to teach you how to be a brush monkey. And I loved it. Um, The breaks in the grass. You know, the same stuff that you learn, I guess, at the academy. But here you are, and you're looking, and you're looking. You lose the sign, and then you go back. And no matter what you were going through outside of work, no matter what was going on in your head, no matter what problems you had, once you got on that sign, it was awesome. Mm. Once you caught your group or you found what you were looking for, nothing else mattered. You got, you know,
1: you had an honest day's work, and I loved that. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you what, there is nothing like the feeling of actually tracking somebody in the middle of nowhere. Uh, in the you know, in the darkness with a flashlight and then actually running into people in places you shouldn't be running into people.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things, um, Chris McGrath, he was one of my FTOs, we got out on a group and it was only three people and he said, he goes, anybody can find a group of 50. He goes, there's no doubt. He goes, but it takes a real tracker to find three people. We found them nice and uh yeah and that was one day that I'll never forget because I started seeing spots it was so hot and everything but we got uh we got him he brought me water (laughs) it was but it was amazing because it's true you can't lose 50 people but we found those three and then we had uh Another situation, and it was in the middle of the night on a midnight shift. I was out with Pete Sanchez, mm-hmm. another amazing guy. And uh, we were, I think it was kind of like a canyon, and we're walking, and we're checking signs. So sure enough, we hear the voices, and we just stand there, and here's a huge group, 99 people. So we have them all sit down, and it's just he and I, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. So we have a all sit down, and one of them, one of the aliens says, hey, there's another group, the slow guys are, are coming also. And we asked them how many, he said there's about 30 of them. Yeah. So we're just standing there, and back then you have the shiny bags that you put on your uh, shirt. Yeah. So we kept, we were kind of like leaning in to cover up our badge. And sure enough, here comes this group It turns out to be 33. So between one journeyman and I, in 1990 we caught 132 people with no problem.
1: So, those were amazing times. Wow, that's excellent, that's excellent. Yeah. And so do you, do you remember your first big bust, your first big uh, big catch when you were when you got there?
0: Uh, my first, well, the first bust, it wasn't really a big one, but it was really interesting. Again, I was out with Pete Sanchez and we were doing highway design. And uh, sure enough, there's a kid on a rental. We didn't know there was a kid inside yet. So we pulled this this car over. It was a maroon sedan. And I walk up. Pete takes the passenger side, and I walk up. And I said, Good evening and he goes, I'm sorry, but I need the money for school. You got me <laughs> I go, Excuse me he goes, Sure. I mean now I'm sorry, it's in the trunk and I'm all like, can you step out of the vehicle? So he walked over, popped up in the trunk and there's a bunch of JC Penney bags, but there were bundles inside the bag He goes, I wanna have money for school and I want a better life and that's easy. It's pretty sad, right? Yeah. But uh That was the first dope guy, and I I didn't really have to question him. The poor kid was so terrified. He just blurted everything out, and that kind of, that's the one that stands out for me because he was so young, um, and he was trying to earn money to go to college. It's
1: crazy. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever end up working any special units or any uh, kind of, you know, any intel undercover, that kind of stuff? (laughs) No, um,
0: not undercover. I wore, I did bike patrol. That was pretty interesting. Um, It's kind of hard to believe that you get paid to ride a bicycle and catch people and somebody else comes to pick them up. Uh, No, I think I did prosecutions. They pulled me out a couple of times when I was prosecutions. We had females that were sexually assaulted by not the mothers but like the truck drivers that were supposed to give them rights to wherever they were going and stuff and a bunch of them didn't want to you know give up information or identify them so i got pulled into that several times and sometimes it wasn't uh, a case initiated by our station mm-hmm. but they they not borrow somebody so i would go in there and lots the time these women would be no 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 uh, and i was I asked about, you know, the personal stuff, who was it that they were looking for, and once I found out they had kids, I would tell them. so do you think at some point you're gonna want your child to come to the United States and they beat you up? Of course, you know, I wanted to have a good future. I said, so you're gonna be okay when your daughter gets raped by, you know, a truck driver? Mm. And then she refuses to say who did it, and she looked and she just started crying, and she was like, what happened? It was two females. And one of them was young, and she had confided to her that she had never, you know, she was a virgin. Um, and so when the truck driver tried to get the lady jumped in and said, no, do whatever you want to leave with, but please leave her alone. So the truck driver ended up whipping the older lady, and that repeatedly, me uh, from what she said, but she did it to protect the younger girl. Uh, so yeah. stuff like that, um, I don't think I did anything undercover, and that's not as a
1: border patrol agent. Okay. Yeah. You know what? It's so funny because I, I've been, I've been the people that I interviewed. Uh, they do all this undercover work. I hadn't even heard that we did that stuff. I think uh, what
0: was it that that team that we used to have? I know uh, in El Paso, they used, oh, was it S I U? No, not S I U. It was something else. But they had an yeah, anti-smuggling that unit. That so, yeah, I can't even
1: remember their name. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, Sorry. It yeah, it's okay. But, uh, we see uh, it yeah, I think it's
0: really
1: Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. So, where did you get... Uh, so, from there, uh, working... Uh, wh- where did that take you? Where did you go from there? Um,
0: After Goddard Springs, I got married, and I ended up going to El Paso on, uh, on a spousal. Okay. So... <laughs> Um yeah. So I ended up in El Paso and I went to Fled Station and that was pretty interesting. There, um I did by patrol prosecution, um, I started the explore program, just different things. My patch was uh Chief Padilla. So one of the things I really like about him, he's very again forward thinking. So there was a lot of opportunities for, you know, agents to do different things. Um, I ended up pregnant while I was there, and they let me do lead while I was pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. And then they moved me to human resources, but that was pretty interesting. I kind of like that they did stuff like that, you know. Not all of us are cut out, you know, for that answering phones and making copies.
1: <coughs> but it was uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I was one of the few out there. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, uh, I I joined uh, the Explorer program in El Cajon Station, uh, what what was it, like in 2000, and I did it for eight years, and it was one of the most most rewarding uh, experiences that I've had in the patrol. You know what? I'm going to
0: have to agree with you on that. When I got to headquarters, um, and they told me that I was going to take over... The Expo program, the National export Program. I was like, no, no, I've done it already. I go, and I said, I've done this, I've done this. I go, I want to do something different. They said, no, but it's different from this level. And oh my gosh, it really was mm-hmm. its amazing. I got to see what all these different uh, export posts were doing. And I learned about those kids. We had kids building beds. For children who were sleeping on floors, we had kids that were out in the field picking potatoes for uh, these uh, food food pantries for the homeless. Yeah, we had kids that were doing. I mean, we had a a group that started a running team in honor of I think it was a police officer's son who committed suicide. So just. So many amazing things, uh, and then to see them go on and become border patrol agents—that's amazing. It yeah. just, and to see them at Police Week honoring our fallen—it, I can't tell
1: you. You're right. Working with these kids is super, super rewarding. Oh yeah, yeah, it has been, and uh, the, the amount of uh, the amount of uh, you know self confidence that you can build into these kids they they're doing things that they, that they never thought they could do before and you see you you see them develop from coming in a little timid and scared or not knowing what's going on and you know and we, running them through the program and by the time they walk out man they're walking taller more confident more sure of themselves and uh and yeah and later on even later on when i i uh Attended a lot of their graduations when they when they participated when when they went on to different academies. Some of them did go become border patrol agents, and other ones went on to become sheriffs and PD and things like that. And you just uh, yeah. have that sense of pride knowing that you instill that little bit of a of, of you know of grit inside them to be able to do that.
0: Yes, yeah, we had just one when I was at Huntington Station. He was really shy and stuff. And one of the things that I would do, I would have him stand in front of the class and kind of do a lecture, just to do their self confidence and be able to speak. So he got so comfortable. His church asked him to be a lecturer. So you know, he gets up and just talks at church, and his mom was thrilled. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. But I kind of like I like pushing those uh, those programs where we work with the kids. I actually had a cat ask me one time. He said, "How can I justify using two agents for these programs?" And I said, "Sir, I would rather deal with these children, with these kids, right, in a classroom setting, than on the other end of my gun while they're holding a bundle." And that is a lot of what we do. These kids don't have uh, too many opportunities to see things, mm-hmm. different things, and greater things. I myself, I never left. The Rio Grande Valley until I joined the patrol, yes. and I was 28
1: years old when I joined the patrol. All right, Yeah, all right. Uh, so you weren't, you know, you were already had a lot of experience. You had a little, but a law enforcement experience when you came in. When you are, when you had come in. Correct. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. There's a lot. So many times when someone, a lot of these kids came in that were they actually hated the Border Patrol because of what they'd heard or whatever. They they had no idea what we did. But just uh, weeks later, they were on fire. So it was a very rewarding program. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And so, uh, tell me uh, now, uh, throughout throughout the career so far, you know, you uh, you uh, work from working in Isleta. Did uh, did you experience anything else and any kind of uh, obstacles as a female agent while you were working when you left uh, when you left Carizo?
0: You know, and I'm going to say this, and I really hope, because I've had, luckily I've had all kinds of opportunities, but I think one of the things that, we um, me trying to say this, I think, a lot of times, because we are female, we're the nurturers, quote, unquote, so we get tangled up a lot in the, how can I say, the community relations. Uh-huh. You know, going out there and, hey, can you do this, hey, can you do that, and stuff. And I think it almost limits our opportunity to try something that's uh, operations-centric and stuff like that. And you're not going to... Your boss says, hey, can you do CSC for me? Can you do this program for me? And I'm going to well, no, I don't want to. But I think um, there's no specific event, but I think in general... Uh, but a big plus on that is, you know what, uh, I've seen some men as well as women be incredible representatives of the Border Patrol. Mm-hmm. And because of the different things I've seen all the way up to headquarters, because like I said, when they told me that I was going to be the National Explorer Program uh, manager, I told them I don't want to do any more dog and pony shows. You know what, it's not. It's not a dog and pony show. None of those programs are. It's an opportunity to put this incredible agency and your brothers and sisters in the the most positive light. Mm -hmm. And not just that, you have a chance to highlight and put the amazing things that they're doing out there. In 23 years in the Border Patrol, I have met some of the most valiant, most courageous, most compassionate, giving human beings ever. And I think every opportunity that we have, we should be putting that out there, whether so it's at a, a job fair, at a recruitment event, you know, um, a community function, whatever it is, you know, we need to speak to the great things that our fellow agents are doing. So, again, I think that that was the perception at the time, you know, but. In the current scheme of things, to be a representative of so many
1: people, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So, And, and that's the thing, right? Because you, you sound like uh, you love working the field, and sometimes when you, you know, you said, well, sometimes you get a little pigeonholed in different roles because you're a female agent, but even then, you took that drive and enthusiasm and passion and made something good out of it, uh, but it still sounds like you missed the field a little bit, a lot.
0: Yes, actually, <laughs> um, back in uh, April and May when we got deployed for uh, because of COVID, uh-huh. back to the field, you know, I was uh, acting watch commander. Uh, you know, if you leave for station, and I was like, it's so close, I want to go. Yeah. But you know what? And I'm going to tell you something. This is crazy. So I was PAO in RGD, and I was out with a news crew in real Grande City. That action, constant action there. So I'm in Rio Grande City, and it's at night, and there are, they called out, Cameron called out three subjects coming in, and I was right in the area. The crew was somewhere else, and uh, I was in this area. So I see them. It's two males and a pregnant female. And so I'm walking towards them, and at the same time, the female, she's kind of walking away from me and i'm taking an eye on her because she's separating herself from the men and then she starts screaming and i'm like what and i thought okay she's going into labor or something so i start going to her there's nothing wrong with her she was distracting me from the guys they had track tracks so i start chasing them They get away anyway so when it's all and then we go back to the station and i'm limping to the break room to get some coffee and the intel supervisor walks that, and he says, hey, Margie, what's wrong? So I'm telling you the story, right? And I go, two inches. I, I gave him the thing with my hand. I, said, well, I almost had him. He goes, two inches, two feet, you still didn't get him. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, you know, he said, so he told me a story of him getting smoked twice, right, two separate groups in the same night he goes, that's when I decided I'm done. He goes, I'm not young anymore. It's like, you know what, dude, if you're ready to give up, that's on you. I'm not. Yeah. So, anyway, he goes on and stuff, and we're talking. So, fast forward, I'm in D.C., and I want to come back to the valley. You hear about the caravans and all this stuff. And I ask if I can go back, if I can be out to them. They're like, no, you know, your job is here. And I want to get back to the field so bad. And that was one of the things that I realized. I mean, there's tons of agents down there. And I realized, you know what? We all get our 15 minutes. We have to pass that baton at some point. And it doesn't make you less of an agent. It just means, you know what? All that experience, you need to take that, wrap it up, package it, in, and pass it on to the new guy. Because he's got this whole career ahead of him, and he needs that knowledge. He needs that talent and he needs that experience. So every now and then, it's okay. We will go out to the field, you know, pick a couple of things around, pick some dust, whatever. But we need to give those new people an opportunity to create their career, you know? So it kind of, it was a hard lesson learned. But uh, I really enjoyed that time that I was down there for, uh, a pandemic response in the calendar. But the truth is, you know, you you move up, you move out, and you make that day if you create opportunities for those coming behind you.
1: Very well put, very well put. So let's backtrack a little bit. Um, when did you promote the supervisor? I'm sorry? When, when did you promote the supervisor?
0: Uh, August 2nd of 2009. Uh, I souped up at Hardingen Station. Harding? I went there for Sector, uh, and I ended up in Harding Great
1: and, station. And what was that like?
0: You know what? Um, when they first told me that I had been selected for Harding I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, it's a retirement station, it's a retirement station. And I wanted action. I actually wanted to go to my calendar. But I'll be... Harding Station is the diamond in RJ sector. I worked with some amazing. Like I said, I've met some really good people in everything, um, but I've met some amazing people. Right after, I think maybe a few months later, I ended up uh, doing boards at Sector, and one of the agents there said, hey, how's hard? I said, dude, I am good. It's great. He started at me. He goes, yeah, sure. I said, not you know what? I go, good work is great. I said, but when you work with good people... Every day is going to be a good day at work. So, work is always going to be what you make of it, whether it's a slow day or a fast-paced day. It's all how you look at it and how you respond to it. So, like I said, I had incredible bosses, uh, incredible supervisors I learned from, and some great agents that, you know what, they're there to get the job
1: done, no
0: excuses, you know, knock it out.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, uh, when, I, when I remember when I first came in, everybody used to say that you're you say, you know, nine for life, you know, don't become a supervisor. It's the dark side, blah, blah, blah. You went ahead and promoted to supervisor. Do you recommend to your fellow female agents uh, uh, that, you know, around you and throughout the patrol that they work hard to promote?
0: Absolutely. See. Talk to I've talked to agents all the time and I encourage them to become supervisors. When they're freaking squared away, no problem and stuff, I encourage them. And I've had that. They still say, oh, I don't want to go through the dark side. They rip your spine out, blah, blah. And I ask them, I go, am I the dark side? Do I not have a spine? And they laugh, yeah, but here's the exception. So you need to be the exception too. Yeah. I promoted not because of pay, not because of rank. I promoted because I wanted to be in a position where I could fight for the agents, where I could do things wrong, where I could help them out and stuff. Everything else. See, people think that, oh, they promote. That means that you don't have to do this or you're, you don't have to work as hard. And that's not the case. When you promote, you become responsible for people. You go up, uh, you become a first line supervisor, you're responsible for the agents now. You're not just an agent, you're responsible for You promote to watch commander, now you're responsible for the supervisors and the agents. You become a DPAC, you're responsible for the watch commanders, the supervisors, and the agents. Mm-hmm. So it just means that that umbrella of responsibility becomes greater. And I don't think that. It should be seen, you know, as a chance to, like I said, get out of doing work. And those people that say, oh, the dark side, blah, blah, blah. You know what? If you don't agree with what's going on, then do something. Mm. Join the ranks and make change. Um, I hope, right? I hope that anyone that I've actually crossed paths with, either as an agent or Uh, supervisor, manager, whatever, I hope that they've walked away with a positive view of supervisor. I had some really, really good supervisors, but I've also had some really, really bad ones. And even the bad ones you can learn from. Yeah. I tell people, remember how you felt when they did these things? Then don't do that to somebody else. So, no, um... I don't, I absolutely encourage male and female, you know, put it, and don't say, well, you know what, uh, I'm going to wait, because normally it used to be where we would wait 10 years to legitimately say, okay, I'm ready to be a supervisor. Nobody's a supervisor before they're a supervisor. Nobody's a pack before they're a pack. A lot of this is going to be on-the-job training, mm-hmm. but if your heart is in the right place, you cannot go wrong. And if you do the right thing for the right reason, you'll
1: be fine. Well, based on uh, the comments I've gotten, the you know people recommending you, when I was asking for for people to uh, come on and uh, you know to interview as females in the patrol, you obviously have. Uh, Put a real good impression. You've made a good impression to the everybody, your coworkers and the your the, your subordinates, your peers, everybody you've worked with, everybody that's worked under you so far has nothing but great things to say about you. Wow,
0: that means a lot. Sir. Um, it really does. I'm very, I'm very stern. Uh, I'm very demanding, <laughs> and you know, I don't have a problem telling somebody, fix your hair, iron your uniform, polish your boots. Because we're all representing the agency, and not just that. When you turn in work, people think, nah, I don't care, you know, 70%, you know, you get by. When you turn that piece of paperwork in, that says everything about you. When you walk out that door, and the appearance that you have in your uniform, that says everything about you. So it's about you before it is um, about anybody else. So, again, and I'm sorry I keep getting off, but, I'm glad that they say that because I try and I do take it very seriously. I do believe that we are a family, a huge family. Um, and I'm glad that when the time have happened where, you know, I push and I push, you shake things up. The cream always rises to the top. And I have been blessed that I have worked with some um, incredible rock stars um, in our region my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that, you know, my unit, my shift constantly, the quality of work that they produce, and I can only say, you know what, I'm not the one that's, you know, doing the file, I'm not the one that's out tracking, I'm not the one, you know, who's in, uh, going 10-15 with some of the worst that, you know, the criminal world has to offer, but, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm glad I was there to say, hey, good job, a pat on the shoulder, you know, uh, a cash award, whatever it is. And I think that's important as management, that we
1: recognize um, the hard workers. Yes, absolutely. And so um, you promo- you've you held a few positions since you promoted the supervisor. I thought I heard you say that you were acting watch commander? Yes, at and- McAllen Station. Okay, and then what?
0: Oh, but that was just during the deployment. Uh, right now, I'm a training operations supervisor at the academy, uh-huh. and then I was an ops officer at headquarters, and I did a little stint as an acting assistant chief. So I've had a few things here and
1: there that I've done. So yeah, I can you I know. can hear that. That's uh, that's wonderful. Uh, Well, uh, uh, before we wind down this interview, first of all, I just want to tell you what an honor and a privilege it has been to walk with you through your career and through, um, you know, your experiences in the patrol. And, you know, it's it's been a real honor to to hear your story, right? And it's inspirational and it's powerful. And uh, I think anybody who hears this uh, will be inspired. And, you know, not just because you're a female agent in the patrol, but because you're a border patrol agent, right? Because it seems like that's what you strive to be. Like you said, you said that, you mentioned that earlier, that uh, it wasn't about male or female. It was about becoming a great border patrol agent. And uh, it sounds like, the you know, that was your goal. Thank you. Well, uh, any, any final uh, message or anything you'd like to say to your fellow uh, female agents or... Border Patrol, agents of the patrol, before we wind down? Yes,
0: absolutely. I think one of the most important things that female, there's so few of us. Now, one of the things that I tell people is, because I've not, asked, what's it like for a female in a man's world? <coughs> it's not a man's world. Um, well, we could be 95% female and 5% male, but because of the type of job that it is, you know, the ruggedness, and, you know, being out there in the middle of the night and the different things that we do, people perceive that as a masculine responsibility or masculine uh, role, but um, I think that the fact that we're only 5% or less than 5%, it's very important that we help each other out the high-ranking females, reach out to the newbies, reach out to the ladies that still, you know, are early on in their uh, career and help them out. And those of you, you know, where there's, you know, five, 10, 15 females at your station or on your ship, help each other out, guide each other, support each other, correct each other. If somebody corrects you, don't be offended. Take that into, you know, into account. You know, are they being, are they being helpful, are they guiding me? Are they looking out for me? Don't be offended. If you don't understand why they came to that, ask them well, what is it that I did wrong. I know when I've been corrected by mail I don't think I've been corrected too many times by females. I've been I've had great opportunities. Debbie Hines was a great supervisor and of course she Lynn underdown. But that's one of those things that uh, a lot of times that females we're usually offended when people correct us. I went through that, and then I realized, no, it's for me, this job job is so dangerous. We need that guidance from the people who have experience. We need that knowledge, we need that mentoring. Reach out and help each other out, you know? And uh, also, one thing, and I know it's kind of tough right now because things are really hard for those of us. I know I was a single parent for a majority of my career. Uh, Bring your families into the picture. One of the things that I did, uh, I always took my kids. If we had, you know, take your talk to work day, I would take them. If we had any event with the Explorers, my kids were there to volunteer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had them um, participate. You know, when we had, uh, what do you call it, uh, memorial services for our fallen, I would take my kids so they could, one, we got to spend quality time because they would ask questions and stuff, and two it makes them understand why I was away on Christmas, you know, Christmas Eve, why I was away, you know, during Thanksgiving, you know, why we had Thanksgiving on a Tuesday instead of on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So all these different things. Bring your family into the picture. It's kind of tough right now, but I'm sure we can find, uh, like, secure areas. If it's an event at the station, take your kids it's going to them. If you pull my youngest aside, she will tell you the story about Susan Ben and Ricky uh, Sabina. Mm-hmm. Uh, she will tell you about Jeremy Wilson and uh, Travis Adaway. All these things, because those were things that I shared with them. All these different things that happened and stuff. Uh, I don't... I don't... Keep them in a bubble. I want them to know what's going on. You know, God forbid that someday I end up being a fallen agent. I want them to know that, you know what, it was a life well lived, a career dedicated to service, and that it meant something to me. I don't want them to say, you know, here I am with this flag and my mom is gone. I want them to know that I truly believe honor first and just like you say, honor always. So, my kids understand that wholeheartedly,
1: you know. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time to do this interview with us. Uh, we really appreciate it.
0: No, and thank you again. Uh, I'm very flattered that you asked. And for those people who uh, recommended me, thank you very much. It means a lot to me.
1: All right, ma'am. Well, you have a great rest of your day. And uh, uh, remember that there ain't no patrol like the old patrol. You got that right, brother. Honor first. Honor always. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes our interview with Training Operations Supervisor Marlene Castro. She's an inspiration to the women and men in the patrol for her strong work ethic and her positive attitude. A happy 45th anniversary to all our female agents who are true warriors and game changers, and the patrol would not be the same without you. Come browse through the Old Patrol HQ store at oldpatrolhq.bigcartel.com for some amazing products that you can wear proudly honoring the history, heritage, and legacy of the patrol, with a few shenanigans along the way. If you listen on Apple or Google Podcasts, please give us a short but raving review and five stars so we can climb the corporate food chain. Ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Honor first. Honor always.